0: about uh, the wise men, the, the Magi, the visitors, the kings, whoever they were who came to meet the newborn baby Jesus. Now, I'd like to see how much we can remember about this story, and I'm going to need a little bit of help. Um, firstly, maybe children and adults, who can remember anything about these sort of um, Magi? Where did they come from? Do we know anything about them? Any ideas? Have you have any ideas about them? Lord John the Baptist. He did, you're quite right. That was a little bit later on in the story. But yeah, so that's something we remembered about. We've heard about King Herod. there, didn't we? Can anybody else remember anything about... What names were they called? Do they have any special names? Seth um, read it early on, didn't he, in, his, in the prayer? Magi. Magi, yeah, magi, which might mean astrologer, perhaps. We're not quite sure. What do we sometimes call them? Um, wise men? anything else we call them we sang about it at the beginning <coughs> kings we three kings of are. Oh, all those sort of things yeah um, wise men from the east how many of them were there how many does the bible say that there were it I, say. No, I can see i can see a few people use this one this one is apparently not working <laughs> at all who knows why i will use this one um I was deceived by my loud voice, you see. I thought that I was just booming and filling the church, but I'm not. Um, Well done. You didn't fall for my trick question. The Bible doesn't say that there were three wise men or three kings. It just says that wise men, magi from the east, came following a star. And why do we think, why do we say that there were three? Does Does anyone know why we might say there were three? Because there were three presents exactly because there were three presents. so whether or not there were three we're just for the purpose of um recapping and remembering the story we're going to have three so i need um three volunteers and uh yep serenity you can come and be one and let's see uh iola you were a birthday boy the other day why don't you come as well and uh fantastic jonty thank you yeah thanks for putting your hand up you can come as well um brilliant so good of you to volunteer there and uh, Jonty, if you come and stand here, we'll have a lovely kind of um, descending graph or line, won't we? And uh, it, this is very special because it was Iola's birthday on, on Friday at Epiphany itself. So this is very appropriate to be there. And, um, and Jonty's about to go travelling, following a star off to the east or the west or somewhere, or an airline, star airlines. So here we are, uh, a traveller fit to go. Now, um, we need to know what they look. I think, um, here we are, Iola, you look most like a king. So you can wear this crown. Okay, you're not going to be able to be a king, Serenity's going to be the king, because her head's going to fit that crown better. They really want to resist giving it to Johnty, so there we are. Um, because, uh, Johnty, we don't have another crown, but we thought you could, have this, you could have this pink flashing hat. That's a really good look. And um, east, south, whatever, Egypt, Pharaoh, here you go, there you Beautiful. So, um, costume, costume, hair and makeup, come and help. So there we are. Um, and they brought some gifts with them. Who can remember what they bought? What were the, what were the three gifts? What were the three gifts? Uh, just, g- just give me one of them. Gold. Gold. We've got some gold. Here we are. Well, I say gold. We've got some gold chocolate money. So, Iola, you can hold that. That can be the gift that you bring. Hold the bowl for me. Okay, let's, uh, uh, what else? Um, Hannah, what else did they bring? Frankincense. Frankenstein. They bought Frankenstein. Frankincense. Frank was incensed. Were you incensed? We don't have any frankincense, but frankincense is a kind of perfume thing that you burn and makes a nice aroma. So we've got room spray instead, fresh from the vicarage bathroom. Serenity. There you are. I won't ask. I won't ask our children to tell you what, why we use that. Um, here we are. And what was the final gift? What was the final gift? Come on. Oh, here we go. Myrrh. Myrrh. Moo? Mur. Moo. I thought that's what cows say. Myrrh. Myrrh. Myrrh is a kind of embalming lotion. And uh, we don't have any embalming lotion, but we do have some of Mrs Vicarage's body lotion. So, um, John, you can hold the um, original sauce. Skin quench. Body butter. Don't put any on. Not just now. Now, who can tell me what the gifts symbolise? Who can remember what the gifts symbolise? Because they do symbolise special things, don't they? Does anybody know what the gold symbolises? Frank, what do you think the gold symbolises? King. Yeah, it's a gift fit for a king, isn't it? It's giving gold, wealth, something really valuable for a king. So, Iola, what are you holding in your bowl there? Chocolate. Yes. And what colour is the wrapping of the chocolate? Uh, gold. Yes, well done. So gold, fit for a king. I'm sure kings like chocolate as well. Um, does anybody know what the frankincense symbolises? Symbolised, Symbolise? D'Andre has an idea. Let's see. Okay, Deandre. Go for it. I think I that's supposed to be nice. I think it's supposed to smell nice. It definitely is supposed to smell nice. That's always a matter of opinion. Does anybody else know why frankincense was brought to Jesus? Look, Frank has been burning I, he Frank's been reading Wikipedia all night, just preparing <laughs> for today's service. Ruth knows. It's priesthood. It, Ruth is dead right. It symbolizes priesthood. Uh, so it's a reminder that Jesus is the great high priest. So frankincense was used at the anointing of priests in Israel. And, uh, when, and frankincense was used to make the Holy of Holies smell incredible and extraordinary, to make it smell different and special and like a set-aside place. So frankincense to, frankincense to remind us that Jesus is a priest, a great high priest, who mediates between us and God and makes a way for us with God. And then the myrrh. Does anybody know what the myrrh symbolizes? I know you know, Freya. (laughs) Okay, Angela, what does the myrrh symbolise? Death. 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 What a gloomy subject for a Sunday morning. Thanks for dropping the mood, Angela. Yeah, she's quite right, though. It does. It reminds us of death. So, um, sorry, Junty, to give you that to hold. But you do have a pink flashing hat to make up for it. Um, the myrrh was a really unusual gift to bring to a newborn baby, especially one who's going to be a newborn uh, baby king, a newborn king of the Jews. And why do you think that they brought myrrh to Jesus? Why do you think myrrh was included as one of the gifts? What do you think? Yannick, what do you think? Maybe they thought that he was going to die. Yeah. Well, it is a good reminder, isn't it, that Jesus, in fact, Jesus did die, like all of us will die. but Jesus' death is more important than any of our deaths. Because Jesus died for our sins to make peace for us with God. And Jesus didn't just die. We know also on Easter Sunday that he resurrected and rose from the dead so that we could have an entrance into new life with God, into new creation. So these gifts symbolize important things about who Jesus is. Thank you so much. Let's give them a round of applause for our fabulous people. Please do photograph and Instagram. And tweet Jonty especially in his uh, hat before he goes travelling. I'm sure that's already happened. Um, Let's just dump them back up there. Thank you so much, guys. Thanks a How do we get this off? That's it, you're sealed in for good. So, we now know a little bit more about... Three, maybe three, maybe more, but certainly the, the, the wise men, kings, magi with their three gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh and what they symbolized. Now, they came, the Bible tells us, from far away, and when they came to meet Jesus, it was the fulfillment of the prophecy that we heard earlier on in our service. At the very beginning of our service, we heard those words from Isaiah chapter 60, which talked about people coming from far off lands to find Jesus, sons and daughters gathering from many places and bringing their gifts, bringing their wealth as gifts to God. Isaiah prophesied that people would come from all around the world to find Jesus, to see Jesus, to hear about this extraordinary newborn King. And this feast that we're celebrating uh, today, it falls on, a, uh, on, on Friday, the, well, it fell on this Friday, it falls on the 6th of January every year, this Feast of the Epiphany right after the Christmas season reminds us that Jesus came not just so that people who lived near Bethlehem and uh, in the land surrounding who could find out about Jesus, but he came so that all people could learn about him and come to know him. So this feast epiphany, which means revealing, is about the truth that Jesus is revealed and has been revealed to all peoples in all nations so that all may come and worship him. I think that we are sort of the descendants of the wise men, magi, kings, whatever you want to call them. Don't you think? I think... This, because uh, most of us, I think, are not part of God's original chosen people, Israel. We're people from far-off lands, from far-off nations, who have come because of this epiphany, this revealing, to find Jesus, to know who Jesus is. We've seen him revealed to us, and we come to offer our lives as gifts for the newborn King. We talked a bit about what those gifts symbolise: gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Symbolizing newborn kings and symbolizing the the priesthood of Jesus, reminding us of his death. But I want us to think now a little bit more about what it meant for those wise men or kings to give those gifts. And what, what gifts do we have that we can give to Jesus? What do we have to offer him at the beginning of this new year? What are our most treasured gifts to give? And we're going to watch a little video to hear some answers. Christmas present this year was this hat and scarf, which I got in our work secret Santa. My favourite Christmas present was the Harry Potter Elder Wand. My favourite Christmas present was my Nephrobel crossbow. That was really nice, and purple. Yeah. Uh, I got a lovely watch, and also this very nice, cosy snood that I'm wearing. My favorite Christmas present was Sirius Black wand from Harry Potter. It was one tenth and um, a ice Jesus Christ. My <laughs> job. My most treasured possession is my iPod Touch. My children, Serenity and Destiny, I love them so. <laughs> uh, my most treasured possession is this ring, which my parents bought me for my 21st birthday. My most treasured possession is my camera. I would say my friends, really, and my family. I can't say because I was going to say the thing that Reed said. <laughs> what is my other most treasured possession? <laughs> My most treasured possession is a blanket that's also a scarf that my sister gave me when I was going to a really cold country. There we go. So now you know a little bit more about the Christmas presents and treasured possessions of people in our congregation. Now, do any of the adults, does anybody have a smartphone that I can borrow? Who's got a smartphone I can borrow? Thank you so much. (laughs) Mm, iPhone 7? No, it's not an iPhone 7. Other phones are available. Okay, right, we're going to do something very special here, right. Um, So this is an amazing magic trick I saw on YouTube, okay? Right, what we need to do, we need to put it just down here. And um, there we go. Okay, after three, I jump and I land and it's completely unscathed, okay? Ready? You ready? Should I do it? How does this trick work? What do you think? How are you feeling just now, Claire? Absolutely fine. (laughs) Absolutely fine, good. What about the rest of you? How are you feeling, Lewis? Oh, there you are. I've been told. I'm not going to do anything. I'm not going to do anything mean to it. But um, it has got me thinking. This question about what our most treasured possessions are. To think, what, what really are the things? What practically are our most treasured possessions? What are the things that we carry with us everywhere? It just actually, as a matter of interest, put your hand up if you do have a mobile phone in your pocket or in your handbag. And most of us do, don't we? And um, I've been ruminating on this a little bit. Put your hand up if you have some kind of a smartphone, Samsung Galaxy, iPhone, whatever. Quite an iPod Touch, it, include that. A lot of us do. Do you know, 10 years ago, they didn't exist. That's extraordinary, isn't it? The first iPhone came out in 2007. 10 years. 10 years, and they've become almost indispensable in our lives. If we really want to know what our most treasured possessions are, it's not just what we say, our friends and our family, they are treasured to us, but it's also the things that we depend on on a daily basis, the things that we just can't imagine life without. Maybe our nice TV, our Sky Sports subscription, maybe our smartphone, maybe Wi Fi at home. You know, it's gone into Maslow's hierarchy of needs, hasn't it? Wi Fi. Uh, maybe our games consoles. Things that we just can't imagine living without. Maybe our most comfortable chair or sofa. Maybe the food and drink in our cupboards. Maybe a musical instrument that we have and we love. Maybe our car and the convenience of getting from place to place quickly and easily in our car. What we tend to prize most in our lives, our most treasured possessions, are often the things that contribute to our own comfort and our own convenience. And so our time and our money are often said to be our most precious possessions, the things that allow us to do things, the things that allow us to sort of get on in life, having enough money to go shopping when you want to go shopping, to pay the bills, to plan for a holiday, to, to buy something that you think is going to be nice and helpful for you, or having the time to go to the gym or go to the cinema or go and meet up with friends or sit down and check uh, your Facebook feed or whatever it might be, the, the time that we need to kind of do all of those things. Actually, perhaps they're our most treasured possessions. If we came to meet the newborn baby King Jesus just now, would we have gold? Would we have frankincense? Would we have myrrh? Perhaps not, but might we have a smartphone or, uh, you know, some time or some money? What are the things that it would be costly to us to give to Jesus? What if we gave to Jesus the very things which give us our status and our identity. I wonder whether for those travelers from the East, the fact that they had a camel laden with gold was part of their status, part of their identity. Yeah, I'm doing all right. I've got a camel full of gold in the back out there. Yeah, I'm an important kind of guy. You know, there may be no room at the inn for you, but I can get a room anywhere because I have gold. Maybe the possessions, maybe the treasured possessions actually gave them status and reputation and power and influence that they enjoyed would you enjoy the same thing I think I would I think I would enjoy knowing that I had the reputation and the means and the the wealth to just get the things I needed and to give all of that up for a baby how peculiar I wonder whether the wise men, the kings, whatever we're going to call them, I wonder whether they went away poorer. I wonder whether they they went away giving all that they had. What do you think? Put your hand up if you think that they left a few bags of gold and frankincense and myrrh on their camels ready for the return journey. Yeah, I think they might have done. Put your hand up if you think they didn't. Put your hand up if you think they gave it all to Jesus, Mary and Joseph. Yeah, maybe. It's hard to know, isn't it? We don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us. And what on earth did Mary and Joseph do with it all? I mean, that's the other good question, isn't it? What did they do? You know, Egyptian cruise? (laughs) Well, we went to Egypt, so I don't know. Is it Sharm el-Sheikh? Is that the name of the resort? Was that around then? I don't know. I wonder whether when they gave such valuable gifts to Jesus, they left themselves materially poorer and with a lower status. Because I did have all this wealth, and now I gave it to a baby. And now I don't. And so I'm not as important. Do you know, my favorite story about somebody offering what they have to Jesus, offering what they have to God, is reported in Luke 21. And Jesus is actually an onlooker. And he's in the temple courts. And uh, all of the sort of wealthy Pharisees are coming up and giving their offerings into the collection boxes in the temple courts. And then he spots one widow uh, who goes up and gives just a small copper coin that she has. And he says that what she gave was worth far more to God because she gave out of her poverty everything that she had. And this reminded me, reflecting on this story, that what we give to God is valued not by how much or how how great it is, but on how much it costs us. Though some of the wealthy people in those temple courts gave much larger amounts, The widow's mite, that small offering, was far more sacrificial and costly to her. It's not how much we give that God values, it's how much it costs us. So how, in this new year, can we give something costly to Jesus? What will it be for you, for me? What is your most treasured possession that you could offer and give to God? Is it your attention? Is your attention divided, split amongst many different places? Is it time in prayer and Bible reading? Is it your attention? Is it something which is giving you comfort other than Jesus? Food, drink, social media, sports on telly. Is there something which is You depend on recreationally. I'm not saying that these are bad things, but maybe you know in your heart of hearts that it just has taken on a bit too much importance for you. Is there something that really is your most treasured possession? That if you gave it to Jesus, it would be a really costly sacrifice? This is a challenge for me. I'm trying to address this myself and think about it. What will help us to give generously, generously, to Jesus. Josh, can we just get that Bible reading, the second slide of the uh, illustrated Bible reading, up? because I think there's a fabulous clue in the passage that we heard today. Because by myself, the idea of giving up those most valuable things, my most treasured possessions to God as a discipline is really hard to imagine. But I think we get a great clue about why these travelers from the East gave these gifts to Jesus. Let's look at it again. The wise men heard King Herod, and then they left. They saw the same star they had seen in the east. It went before them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When the wise men saw the star, they were filled with joy. They went to the house where the child was, and they saw him with his mother Mary. Then listen to this. They bowed down and worshipped the child. Then they opened the gifts they brought for him. Do you notice that? Do you notice the order? They didn't come into the house and open their gifts first and then worship. They came and they worshipped Jesus, and then when they had worshipped, they opened the gifts they had brought for him. I think there's a clue for us there. If we want to give our most treasured possessions to Christ, it all begins in worship. It all begins by coming and adoring him By coming and worshipping in prayer, in song, together, on your own, as you walk, uh, on a Sunday, uh, in days through the week when we gather in this place or in each other's homes, focusing our hearts and our minds on Jesus. And then do you know what? Once we have put our attention onto Christ, it's ever so much easier to offer our possessions, to offer things as gifts to him. It seems less of a sacrifice when our gaze is already fixed on our Lord, on our friend, on our king. And if that doesn't help, here's another thing about giving to God, about giving in general. One of my favorite writers says, Give as though nothing you gave away could ever make you poorer, for you can never run out of that which you give. You can never run out of that which you give. So, this year, let's make it our collective desire to worship God first and then to give generously, knowing that we'll never be the poorer for giving to Jesus. And I'm going to suggest that now what we do is we take a moment of silence before Sarah comes and leads us in a song, and we start to think for ourselves, just individually, what are the things that are most treasured to me? What are the things which could distract my attention from God. If I want to worship Jesus, what gets in the way? Is it my anxieties? Is it my work? Is it something I do at home? Is it something that I play with, some toy which I'm a bit addicted to or obsessed with? Be that a child's toy or an adult toy? and let's resolve to worship Christ and then offer him our very lives. So we're just going to be quiet for a moment. Father, I pray you would send your spirit into our hearts to examine us and to help us to worship Jesus, to make space for him and to loosen our grasp on all those things that we treasure and hold on tightly to to give generously to you and to one another. So we pray that you would change us even now in this time.